You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. You talking to me? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. All right, welcome in everybody to the first episode of $100 Productions Podcast. I'm Nolan Schluka, along with my co-host Sam Alessandro. And today we've got uh, a lot in store, even though um, movies aren't really happening right now. We decided to take matters into our own hands and review uh, a movie today. And that movie is Inglorious Bastards. Um, me and Sam's one of our favorite directors, um, which could be considered his best film overall. Um, but until then, you'll have to uh, listen for the rest of the podcast. But uh, I'll bring it off to Sam. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great, Nolan. Um, actually, just this morning, uh, I don't know if you saw, but AMC announced uh, that they're opening back up. And yeah, the, I did uh, see that. The Oakview one, the Oakview AMC that we like to go to, um, yeah, is opening up the 27th. So, um, yeah, and did, happy did, you about how much, did you see how much tickets were going to be? No, no. How much? Either. So, the ticket prices are going to be that of how they were in the 1920s. So, they're going to be 15 cent tickets. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really praying that they show like The Shining there or something. Oh, that dude, that'd be so sick. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, so far, like, Marcus Theaters <clears> have <throat> opened back up. So, like, I've seen Star Wars, The Dark Knight, The Matrix. I even yeah. saw The like, Conjuring in theaters, too. So, mm-hmm. I want to keep, I want to keep seeing like these, these really like classic films on the big screen because. Well, I don't know if The Conjuring's a classic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my, my girlfriend wanted to see that. And while there were parts of it that, it, it was it was it was still a good film I thought. I just yeah. thought the only problem that I had with it was the cheap jump scares. That's that's a main thing that I don't like about films is is jump scares. Not that I get scared, I just feel it's a cheap way mm-hmm. of scaring someone. I think I if you want to watch true horror, you watch these these are my like top three picks. Well maybe maybe four. You watch The Shining, you watch The Thing, you watch Hereditary, you watch Alien. And I think those are horror masterpieces, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But th- that's, that's, just, that's just me. And I, I, what, what would be one film at AMC that you, would want, that you would want to see on the big screen if you had your choice? Because obviously, you know, mine is The Shining. Well, they're already going to be playing it in theaters, so it's not really fair. Inception, but... Uh... It, besides that, I kind of want to see Mad Max again in the theater, or maybe like Apocalypse Now. Oh, dude, Apocalypse Now would be great in theaters. I remember seeing Mad Max in theaters, how much I love that film. Yeah. I, that, I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wasn't expecting anything from that movie, and it it just blew me away. Every, everything yeah, about that. Because I think the one from the, uh, the very first Mad Max is good. I think the second one is okay. The third one I don't think is very good. And 
I, so I wasn't expecting anything huge, like even a best picture nomination for Mad Max, but it definitely blew me away. So, so you're choosing Mad Max and Apocalypse now, huh? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Something, something big. Um, maybe like something like the good, the bad and the ugly too, you know? Um, oh my God, dude, that'd be so nice. But, uh, I, I, I wish I would have been able to see, uh, see empire strikes back in the theater like you did i just was, didn't have the time it was insane dude it was really really great i really had a good time there and just seeing that on the big screen is i i wish there would be more theaters that would show like retro movies on like yeah big screen. yeah there's not there's not a lot of that i feel like that mm-hmm. would be like a, a market that a lot of people want to go see and and do it at a reduced like a cheaper price for people well, to go see a movie on the big screen, like an old one, an old classic. Yeah. Well, I know, um, so like in early January when I, I, I went and saw 1917 again mm-hmm. uh, in January in Lincoln. And uh, the Marcus Theaters that uh, I went to, it was downtown. And they had like a week where they played like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and a few other old, like, 90s movies. Um, and I really wanted to go, but I had, like, an exam. But I, I, I really sucks. wanted to see, like, like Pulp Fiction in the theater. That would be another another good one, I feel like. Yeah. Even Reservoir Dogs would be good in theaters, too, dude. I think that's a really slept-on Tarantino film. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it does it does get praised, but it's, like, I think it's, like, right up there with, like, Kill Bill. I mean... To me, Tarantino has made four masterpieces, and we'll get into those by the end of the at the end of the the pod. But um, yeah. I think uh, Kill Bill and like Reservoir Dogs are very very close uh, to to being a masterpiece, in, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. Okay, well, so we will be reviewing um inglorious bastards on the pod today but first uh we're going to get into some movie news and this this one probably has sam the most excited um sam your favorite director is christopher nolan and mm-hmm. that's that's we we so my favorite director is tarantino and we understand that uh it is very cliche for two college guys to have their favorite directors be Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino, but we promise you, we we watch plenty of other directors. Like mm-hmm. we're big Stanley Kubrick fans, Akira Kurosawa, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. We watch it all, but um, we know that. Well, we both know that that Tarantino and Nolan are two of our favorite directors. And on the docket first is Tenet has been given a new date uh, here in the United States, September third. And I have a feeling that this film needs to come out in theaters for Christopher Nolan's sake, or else he's going to go pretty much insane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Nolan, he's he's uh really been the biggest voice for theaters, for movie theaters, for for years, honestly. Um, and, and same with Tarantino. And honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons why I love, you know, guys like that. And you know, I'm not trying to rip any other, like, directors. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to, like, do, like, a Netflix movie or anything. I but, like, for me, I love the fact that, like, 
Nolan is so like passionate and he cares about the theater experience. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite movie theater experiences is actually seeing my first ever IMAX film was Interstellar. And it was phenomenal just seeing it in that big screen. And uh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for me, uh, I, I don't really think it's a bad thing. Like, everyone knows who Christopher Nolan and Tarantino are because they make good movies. And, yes. you know, we're fans of good movies. So, of course, we, we like these directors. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I recognize uh, these directors uh, and their bad movies for sure, like Death Proof. Yeah, that's um, that's one that I just I I know I I've actually seen a lot of people really like that film. However, I just that, yeah. that one just was not for me. I just could not do it. Yeah, and and I definitely see people's problems with like uh, with uh, Interstellar and and Dunkirk. But you know, for me, like overall, like directors like like that, like uh, you know Martin Scorsese, like. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, those directors, most of what they produce, most of what they make is very, very good. And they're at the top of their game. And so, of course, you know, I'm going to be a fan of it. And Tenet, man, I I can't wait for it because we really don't know that much about the movie. No, we we still know nothing because it it still has not been released. But one one thing um, that I that I noticed when seeing The Dark Knight the other day in in theaters is I definitely understand why Christopher Nolan wants his films to be seen in theaters. He while he de- while his films are are grounded, I mean y- you can definitely buy in to all his films, maybe except Interstellar. Um, th- they're also very very big and and. And they need to be experienced in, in a theater and, and pr- preferably an IMAX theater. So I can totally understand what he's saying. Just seeing the trailer makes me stop whatever I'm doing in the movie theater and, and, and put all my attention towards it. Because I normally mm-hmm. don't watch trailers in the theater. I try and stay away from trailers. However, Nolan is very passionate about not spoiling a film before you know before you go in and see it. So I really like how he does that. And... I, I definitely think that um, his films are some that needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible. And yes. uh, The Dark Knight was a perfect example of that because it was just so much more intense when when you have that surround sound, when you have a giant screen, watching oh, Heath bet. Ledger cut people up. It's it's great. I bet, yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, like, I've, like – They've sent out a few trailers and a few TV spots for Tenet, and I I really don't understand what this movie is about yet. And yeah, they 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 say sometimes it's preventing World War Three, but that's that's all I've gotten out of it. Yeah, and, and I know like you know at times like they they go in like reverse and whatnot, and I know that that the airplane is real. Um, yeah, like he actually did that. Um, and that post I sent you uh, yesterday of uh, uh, he used no screen, no green screen, and everything was shot practically. Yes, that's that's it's awesome. It's so great. I I love that he's able to 
he he is I, he is someone who who understands that pr- with practical effects it will make your movie age so much longer than if there were CGI. For yeah, example, exactly. Empire Strikes Back, perfect example. Yeah, a a bad example of of relying too much on CGI is um, Jurassic World. It's it's not going to look good in a couple years with all this CGI. What what Spielberg did with Jurassic Park, he when he used a close-up shot, he would use practical effect. When it would be further out into the distance, he would use CGI, and it aged the film extremely well. Another example would be uh, Star Wars: uh, The Phantom Menace. When oh, you look God. at that film. <laughs> the CGI is terrible. The only CGI that I have seen that has aged really well over time is Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl, and um, I would probably say the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, yeah. well, I would say that'd be it. Well, I I think a lot of the Planet of the Apes has to do with uh, Andy Serkis' phenomenal performance, too. Definitely, that he did not get nominated for. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable. Um, And and I agree. I'm, I'm big into, you know, practical effects. I think it's just a lot better. And, you know, I'm only going to get on my Star Wars soapbox for a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what probably my biggest problem with the, with the prequels is, you know, the lack of like physical sets. Like it just didn't feel like Star Wars to me. It felt like a video game almost. And even though the CGI is a, it, it's still pretty darn good in uh, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but it's yes. still like there are, there are scenes you know when they're when they're talking uh, in in uh, on Coruscant, like some of the background it just looks so fake. And oh yeah, I don't it know. totally does. And I I don't like that. And yeah, like Phantom Menace is basically unwatchable for me now because of like how fake everything looks and and also the fact that it, it just has one of the dumbest plots ever um yeah it's, but, it's basically just a political movie yeah and then you know another movie is you know rogue one the reliance on cgi for uh tarkin and leia it already looks bad and that movie only came out a few years ago yeah that's that kind of gets me down because i really i really like that movie um, I think it's, I think it's a good time, and it gets um, a lot of hate and criticism. But I don't, I just, I don't know. It, 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 I will agree with you. It is getting a little bit bad. The CGI. Yeah. But but as but as for Tenet, we won't have that problem because it's just going to be pretty much all practical yeah. effects. Mm-hmm. Which I'm very very pumped for. But anyways, moving on. So next we have uh, Jared Leto. He confirmed uh, that he will be in Tron 3 with his Instagram post. Uh, He said, I'm struck with such gratitude for the opportunity to bring this movie to life, especially as both the original video game and the film affected me so deeply as a young child. The fact that I get to be a part of this new chapter is mind-blowing. Now, I have not seen Tron from 1982. I haven't even seen the new one. However, I would really like to uh, give it a watch. I heard it's pretty, pretty good film. Um, and then with Disney owning the rights to Tron, I think they're going to pump out a lot of Tron films. And I mm-hmm. definitely want to 
uh, you know, see what they're all about. Because I heard just such huge things when the new Tron film was coming out. And I would like to see uh, the Tron film from the 80s because it does have a big, a pretty big fan base. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've seen the the newer Tron. It, it, it's been a while, but it it was okay. Um, I definitely like. There's definitely a lot of potential that that uh, Disney has uh, with this uh, franchise. I think it, you know, them getting Jared Leto is pretty big. Um, even though I, I I think that Jared Leto, you know, sometimes he makes some weird career decisions. I thought he was a terrible joker for example but you know he in the rest of the world yeah yeah um and uh you know but it, it's interesting I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to the idea i feel like they could use some really like groundbreaking technology for 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 that movie um because uh that that's a movie that that could like have like I feel like if Tron went like kind of like the a little bit darker and like almost like the Blade Runner esque uh, like you know way of doing it, that would be amazing. And I think probably the reason why I thought of Blade Runner was because Jared Leto is in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, but uh, but it is a good it is a good sci fi film. It, it yeah. definitely was one of the better films of this past decade. So it's, yeah. it's definitely something that I would like Disney to strive for. I don't yeah. think they will. I think they'll go with sort of a campy, like, yeah, MCU, probably. MCU type feel. Probably. Um, and and I, that, I like more grounded films, though. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that it's it's not all bad because, I mean, there have been some MCU films that are that are campy that, that have been really good. For example, like Guardians of the Galaxy is, mm-hmm. a, is a great example. Mm-hmm. But um, with with Tron, I think it would be really cool to see something like, you know, Blade Runner, where it's it's really really good and it's really it's got you on the edge of your seat, but it's also such a dark story and it's it's very it's very sad too. So it gets you really close to these characters and you want to connect with them. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I this this news definitely intrigues me because I think that. A franchise like this definitely has potential, and like you said, they they actually have a pretty big fan base too. So uh, yeah, yeah, I th- I think uh, it, I think it is also intriguing. Do you know is the one from 1982 on Disney Plus? I I do not know that. Um, Here, let me look it up for you guys. Oh, they got the Peanuts movie on there now. Oh, great! That's exactly <laughs> what I want to watch. Uh, let's see. I don't know if they have this up there yet. Oh, they do. They do have Tron up there. Okay. Yeah, the one from 1982. Okay, it's an hour and 30 minutes. Okay, I might watch this. Oh, Jeff Bridges is in it. I did not know that. And then they have the one from, what was it, like 2000? Oh, 2010. Okay. Yeah, 2010, 2011. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably have to give these a watch then. Um, and then I'll... I'll probably give these. I'll probably give these a watch before uh, next review that we do, and uh, I'll come back with some reviews about them. Because that first one, if it's an hour and hour and a half, I can easily get through that no problem. Mm-hmm. So okay, well, I'll bring that back to you uh, for our next review. So uh, next, this happened on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, I believe it was. 
um, two, I think it was Tuesday, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, getting a reboot after a fan trailer went viral. So this trailer was uploaded in March of 2019 and garnered over 3.5 million views. This is according to an article from Screen Rant. Um, and to me, this is a, a little, little nerve-wracking. Uh, while I don't think Will Smith has made some great decisions with his career, he, he's definitely made some, some good films like, like Bad Boys. And um, I think Pursuit of Happiness was good. I've heard a lot about I Am Legend, but I have not seen i am legend i know everyone flips, flips out about that i've never seen it that's wow. one every everybody has everybody has a movie where they have not where, like a big movie that they have never seen before mine is probably probably i am legend that's probably you, like the you you want to know what mine was what was it it was for, for like a long time it was indiana jones yeah dude i I've tried watching Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple times. I'm still going to give it another try. Uh, I just could not get into it that much. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I've seen all of them try. now, but uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the first Indiana Jones I saw was the last one. The last one is <sighs> terrible. It's I so bad. That. I but, heard that. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of ruined my experience with Indiana Jones right away. But the other three. They're they're good. They're just very similar movies. Um, they're they're just fun action movies. Uh, but yeah, I, I've seen uh, I Am Legend only like one once or twice. Uh, I think that was actually the first Will Smith movie I saw. That or Independence Day. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't I, remember. I think Independence Day is really overrated. Um, however, um, I think. I think uh, a, a lot of people do do like it a lot, and it's definitely a really famous film from the 90s. But I think with this film, what they're doing, or with this TV show, what they're doing, I, it could be, it, it's like handling a big bomb. You don't want to screw, screw anything up. You want to be very careful with it because a lot of people really like this property. Even kids our age really like The Fresh Prince. A lot of kids our age watched it mainly because it was on Nick at Night when we were growing up and I would be able to watch it. it it's, yeah. a, it's a really funny show. And if you want this to be good, you need to, you need to get Will Smith back. Now that's easier said than done because he's a pretty big, he's a pretty big star now. When he was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was just coming up. And yeah. the success of that show really catapulted his career and uh, got him into big films like like bad boys bad boys too and men in other black. yeah men in black was another one so he i i, I want to see what they can do for this so I, I don't know who they can bring back and i think uh what was the uncle's name in that show why am i blanking on his name right now uh because he he passed away yeah the um that's right yeah yeah he passed away so i just i don't know what Okay, well, his name's James Avery, and oh, Uncle Phil. God, why, why would I blank on that? Yeah, so he's he has passed on, and that was back in 2013. So it, it'll be very interesting to see the take that they can do, and mm -hmm. especially like thinking, coming up with a take based off of a fan-made trailer. It's very intriguing, and I hope that it goes well. Um, but it's we'll we'll. 
we'll really have to keep an eye on this because I just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I would say honestly, my opinion on like rebooting a very successful TV show is like about as risky as it can get. Um, you know, one of my favorite shows of all time, you know, The Office, people have been bringing up like, hey, reboot it, reboot it, reboot it for, for years, ever since it, like basically the year after, you know, this the series ended, they were already asking for a reboot. And uh, I just think that's, you know, that's so risky and, you know, you don't want to tarnish the legacy of, of like a very successful show, like, uh, you know, French P Prince of uh, Bel-Air, you know, that's one of the most popular TV shows in of the nineties. And, you know, I, I know you had said, you had mentioned to me before uh, full houses reboot, um, you know, being terrible, but uh, you know, it's it's just so risky um you, you know I, I agree with you this is like uh handling a bomb you don't want to you don't want to ruin um really the legacy of the uh of the first original show yeah i i i definitely agree with you on the full house thing i feel i i just hope that it's not going to be like full house cuz i feel like they just Netflix got a property and they wanted to immediately run with it and just start making Fuller House. And it just, it, it felt like a, a, a children's show that was on, on Netflix. Now Full House, you can argue was a children's show, but I disagree. I think it was more of a, a family show that a lot of people really liked. And with Fuller House, it just seemed like this is, this is something that you could see on, on the Disney channel. And yeah. That's what what I really didn't like and that's what I'm really hoping they try to avoid here because this is a, a very popular and very very good property that I hope that they I just really hope they don't mess this up because I really really enjoy this property and I would really like to con continue to see it thrive um however that just might not be the case it's already been ruined with, with Star Wars, so we'll see if it'll get ruined with this, too. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, moving on to the next bit of, of news. Um, I'm going to ask you, Sam, do you want to get into Captain Marvel 2? Yes um, or no? No, not really. I, I just don't think she's an interesting character that much. Um, okay. I, I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> I, okay. So, well, that's what this article is talking about from Screen Man. What they want to fix is her invincibility problem. And she's got uh, a Superman problem. So that, that, that's what they're going to be trying to take care of in the next film. Um, we'll see when that, um, when a trailer drops for that, what I'll think of it. Um, but I, I can definitely understand why you wouldn't want to get into this. I, I thought that the the, the first Captain Marvel, um, it w it was okay. I didn't think it was, uh, it wasn't a. I think it was a like a mid tier, uh, Mar Marvel film. I don't think it was like upper tier like, The Winter Soldier or Civil War. Mm -hmm. um, but I I just thought it was all right. So I think if they fix her invincibility problem. Um, they they will make that uh, 
property a little bit better. But uh, yeah. this next piece of news, I think, is something that you really want to get into. And this is probably my favorite news piece of the day. Um, Martin Scorsese plans to film Killers of the Flower Moon in February. Uh, this uh, tells the story about the conspiracy to kill Osage County citizens in order to steal their oil rights. Osage County is uh, where many Native Americans uh, live. And mm -hmm. Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio will star in the film. Um, so after The I Irishman, which I feel is actually one of Scorsese's best films, I know that's a hot take. I think that film was damn good. Uh, you know, I'm all in on this one. I'm pumped for it. And I think with Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, Scorsese's two actors that he always goes with in films, I mm -hmm. think this this will... This has the recipe to be really, really good, and I don't see it uh, failing. I, I always, whenever going into a Scorsese film, I think, well, this one won't be as good as, like, you know, one of his films from, like, Goodfellas or Taxi Driver um, or, 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 like, even The Departed. I, I go in, and I think this will, this will be an all right movie, and he always blows me away with what he brings to the table. So I'm definitely excited for this. I feel it's got the recipe to, to be really something really special. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, Martin Scorsese is still one of the top directors in in the game right now. Um, you know, this is a really big project for for uh, you know. Uh, I think it, his. Uh, his film is getting a $200 million budget, which is yes. massive for a rated R film. Um, yeah, it's ballsy. That's why he's going with all the streaming services because they, they can actually pay him yeah, to do exactly. this. And I think it's smart. He, I, I believe he's trying, he's talking with Apple TV plus. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was the, uh, the news that I saw and, you know, that that's honestly a good strategy because I mean, you know, Christopher Nolan, he, his tenants, a, a big, uh, you know, risk too. And that's PG 13. And that was given a $200 million budget as well. So it, it, it's really good uh, in my eyes to see, you know, original stories or, you know, basically non superhero movies get massive budgets um and you know nobody is more selective with their projects than Leonardo DiCaprio and yes. the, the fact dude took four years off yeah after the revenant after winning an academy award and the only film he took was once upon a time in Hollywood four years later yeah that's yeah. ballsy mm -hmm. but he's yeah. at that he's at that point though now man he can do that stuff he's so good and it would not surprise me if he got up for another Oscar nomination for this film. And we haven't even seen a the film. It hasn't even begun filming yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like, you know, I think Leo's probably the best actor in the game right now. Um, he's, he's, he's so good. And, you know, the fact that he is so selective in his projects, but he, he always goes, goes into a Scorsese film and he always delivers he has yeah. every single time. Um, and, you know, Robert De Niro, too. Uh, you know, his performance in The Irishman was great. 
Uh, he was Dude, really, he should have got nominated. Good. He should yeah. have got nominated for that film. And someone from what, the, the two popes got it. And yeah. Robert De Niro in that film, in the action, was unbelievable. It, it was one of his best, one of his best performances in a film, I think. He did so good in that film. And he didn't even get a nomination for it. It was so frustrating to see that. So frustrating. I think he gave one of the best performances of the year. So mm-hmm. I was very well, frustrated by that. Maybe the Academy can redeem themselves here. Well, last year was also like one of the strongest years in film in a long time, I would say. Especially yeah. in the in the best actor category. You know, you, you had Leo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, obviously, even the guys like Taron Egerton, he was phenomenal as Elton John. Well, he um, got snubbed though. Yeah, yeah. And like, there were so many snubs last year. There was Taron Egerton. There was even Adam Sandler got snubbed too, and Ro- and Robert De Niro. But and uh, <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yes, that, him and Adam Sandler. I feel should have been the two that everyone should have been talking about for who's going to win the Oscar for best actor. And neither of them got nominated. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I need to rewatch uh, the lighthouse. I've only seen it. I saw it that uh, one time in the theater and that's, that's it. I need to rewatch it. Dude, it is, it is something else. I, 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 I don't understand it completely. Um, however, I appreciate Robert Eggers' direction. The cinematography is unreal, and the performances are amazing. This this is probably this is for sure probably Robert Pattinson's best performance, and it could be Willem Dafoe's best performance too. That's that's very hard to say though, with so many other films that he's done, like Platoon, and he's also done the Florida Project. He was great in Spider-Man. So, you know, it's very hard to say, but it's it's definitely up there. So th- th- there was definitely a lot of snubs last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. All right, well, uh, anyways, Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, it will be filming in Oklahoma. Um, I believe on the Osage County Reservation, they will be filming. And this is based off a true story. So we will see uh, where Scorsese takes it. And I believe this will be good. Um, I have no problem if it's going to be three and a half hours again, like the Irishman was because the Irishman flew by because it's just such a damn good film. So if this is three and a half hours again, I have no problem with it. Yeah. um, Yeah. All right. So is there, you got anything else or do you want to get into the bastards review oh yeah let's do it let's do it all right inglorious bastards came out in i believe 2009 if i'm yep yep 2009 2009, directed by quentin tarantino stars brad pitt uh christopher wall or christoph waltz jesus eli roth so many more even um michael fassbender's in it um, Mike Myers is in it. A lot of a lot of people are in this in this film, and you know it tells it it, it tells the story. Uh, it's in France occupied World War II in Nazi occupied France during World War II. A plan to assassinate Nazi leaders by a group of Jewish U.S. soldiers 
coincides with the theater owner's vengeful plans for the same. This movie was up for some Oscars. Um, and actually, I believe at Cannes Film Festival, it was booed after the initial release, after the uh, ending. Yeah. Um, and it has quickly turned to be considered Tarantino's best film. Um, I know you, I think you think it's Tarantino's best film. Yes. Um, I, I, I absolutely love this film. I have really no problems with it. I think it's a masterpiece as well. Um, I, I know this is the first movie we're reviewing, but I, I'm going to give this a 100 out of 100. I see yeah. no problems with it. It is Tarantino's masterpiece. Um, and it's just, it's so great. I, I think uh, Christoph Waltz gives the best performance of his career. I think Brad Pitt gives a great performance. And um, just just the story and the dialogue is just so well done. Tarantino is such a such a great filmmaker, and I'm I'm glad that he it, the fact that he was even able to think this story up is is so is so cool to me because no no one had the had the balls to do like an alternate history um, film really before this until Tarantino. <laughs> Really, and I just thought it was cool how he can basically make his own world where he can kill Hitler, and I think that's just really, really cool. And it's very original, which is something you don't see a lot in Hollywood today. And I, I think that it works completely. So I give it a one hundred out of one hundred. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, Inglorious Bastards is actually my number four movie of all time. It's one of my oh, favorites wow. for sure. Um, it's definitely uh, 100 out of 100 for me. Um, this is probably my most quoted movie. Um, yes. And Aldo Rain is probably my favorite movie character of all time. Um, uh, you know, I, I just love, like you said, the dialogue. I think this is one of the best written movies, um, honestly, of all time. I. There, there are a few scenes that we are going to talk about later that are just com- just some of the most brilliant writing ever. Yes. Um, you know, the, right from the beginning, you're, you're, you know, so engaged with the story. And this is such a unique take. It's almost like a mixture of uh, like a, a Western uh, filled with, you know, World War II, you know, stuff basically. That's what it feels like to me. And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, the Ennio Morricone. There's a lot of his music in this movie. Um, and, you know, like you said, the performances, Christoph Waltz, um, one of the best villain performances um, you, you could ever ask for, really. You know, he, he speaks four languages in the film, which is Unreal. just nuts. Um, and then you know, Brad Pitt is freaking hilarious and, uh, you know, just, just everything about it works. Uh, this is definitely like, I can see why some people maybe, uh, you know, at first at Cannes, because Cannes known to be very, very harsh or, you know, be very vocal about, about movies. They will either, you know, cheer for 10 minutes or boo for 10 minutes. And, yeah. uh, you know, but but it is a little surprising because like everything in that movie is so brilliant. I guess mainly the only 
thing that they probably didn't like was, you know, the idea of, you know, killing Hitler and blowing up the theater. But I, I thought that that was, you know, freaking awesome. And uh, I, I love the story of, of Tarantino, like deciding what he was going to do. He was like, cause I was listening to a podcast of, of him and they asked him uh, how he like came up with that idea. And he was like, well, you know, we knew that we had him in the story and he didn't really know what to do. And uh, before he went to bed, he was just like, uh, he's like, uh, I like to write something down. And then if I feel the same way in the morning, I'll put in the, in the movie. And before he went to bed, he's like, he, he just wrote, uh, just fucking kill him uh, for <laughs> Hitler. And he, he put it in the movie and uh, I don't know. It, it, it works for me. Um, you know, some people think that, you know, the Shozana stuff is a little boring, like her plot, but I disagree. I, I, I was disagree really, well. I was really, uh, like invested in her story as well and her plot for revenge. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just love this movie. Yeah. I, I think that, um, the uh, going off the Christoph Waltz thing, I think one interesting thing that I hear about this film time and time again is that when Tarantino was writing this, um, Hans Landa is is his favorite character he's ever written. He feels it, it he's done a great job writing it. And when he was auditioning for uh, Hans Landa, he he felt like he had wrote an unplayable character. So when you when you're able to do that, that's that's very impressive. So. The I, once they found Christoph Waltz, it, it was very relieving for Tarantino because Christoph Waltz could actually play the character like Tarantino wanted him to, and mm-hmm. it it worked out really well. And he he definitely is one of the best movie villains of all time, and it, it worked out in their favor. So I really um, commend Tarantino and Wal- Christoph Waltz for this. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. This is. I think it's interesting that like uh, at first Tarantino was looking at a guy like Leo to play this character. And yeah. I don't know if he, if he could have done that. Um, it definitely, uh, it definitely has my curiosity, but uh, you know. Um, <laughs> it had my attention, but now I had my curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that, that would have been interesting, but I think Waltz was definitely the right choice. Um, and he does great in Tarantino movies. He was great in Django as well, but this for me was his better performance and, you know, he got the Oscar, uh, which was, uh, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, usually, you know, when you have such a great villain, um, it's, it's a lot easier to get invested in the story. And then you, you know, you have that love, those lovable characters like Aldo Rain, uh, who's just a freaking badass, uh, who really just says whatever. And it's, it's immediately quotable. Um, you know, that I know you love the quotas lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, also, uh, Adam Sandler was almost, uh, Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. No shit, really. Yeah, I like, did not that would have been that would have been hilarious. Like, could you imagine 
like at, at the beginning when uh, he comes out with the baseball bat, if that had been Adam Sandler. Yeah, that would have been really funny because he is good with Uncut Gems. He has shown that he is good at selling a serious role. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but at the same time, he won't like steal the whole, the whole scene to himself. He'll be able to sell a good serious performance while also making it funny at the same time. I think Sandler is a really good actor. He's made some shit movies, but he is a really good actor, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's let's talk about let's talk about uh probably the two most famous scenes in this movie. The very opening scene, chapter one, once upon a time in uh Nazi occupied France. And uh what it, I can't remember what other chapter it is in, but it is um in the bar. The when bar they scene. Are, the bar scene, yeah. Um, now, we can start off with the opening scene. I personally think that this is one of the greatest scenes of all time. Um, right from the get-go, when you hear Ennio Morricone's score with Hans Landa and his men driving up, you are in it. You are really you are feeling uneasy because you know these Nazis are coming up to the door. You don't know what they're going to do to these people you're you're immediately in it so i really i really think this is one of the best scenes of all time and the fact that they speak is it it's only two languages they just speak french and english correct yeah in scene. yeah so what that's what i really like about this scene as well is they are speaking actual like french and um and english throughout it i think that's that's really cool um, to do what what Tarantino did there, he's using the, the native tongue, and I feel, you know, it, it's it's very intense. You don't know what the Nazis are there for, but until you get that slow camera pan down below the floorboards, the first time Aww. watching it, you you don't think that that there's anything wrong. I, until you get that slow camera pan down below the floorboards, it is. My, I, I remember my jaw dropping, me gasping, and I was. I could not believe it. That that's what sets the stakes even higher for the rest of the scene. And, yeah. and Hans Hans Landa, Christoph Waltz, he knows he knows that they're there. He knows it, but he's just toying with the uh, Frenchman, and it, it makes for a such a great scene. Such yeah. a great scene. Yeah, and I I think the bar scene, by the way, the chapter is called Operation Kino. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yep. You're right. You're right. Um. But yeah, the the opening scene is without a doubt one of the best scenes, certainly in the past, like I'd say twenty years for sure. Um, for me, that, I'd say ever. Like it's, man, like that that is how you create tension because you see these two, they're they're talking and everything seems to be going uh, pretty well, and then you know, like you said, they pan down and that like everything like the next like three minutes is just so tense because the, the first, the first scene, like it's just dialogue for about 18 minutes and you are so invested uh, into this. And, you know, when he says uh, you are sheltering enemies of the state, are you not? Uh, like we, I was just like, Oh my God. Like it, it was, it was done so well. The, the tension and like 
yeah, I, I love how it got like quiet too, like and uh, yes, you know it, no, it just no made everything. Works. Yeah, and then and then you know you got the the score, um, you know, getting louder and louder and louder until you know the Nazis uh, fire um, at the Jewish family, um, and you know that this scene that that is like filmmaking at its finest. Um, and, you know, it seems like the opening scene and the bar scene that make me feel like Tarantino is honestly one of the best writers. Uh, yes, in that's, Hollywood. that's what I wanted to go into. I think he's one of the best writers. I think he probably is the best writer in Hollywood. I think he is better than Sorkin. I know that's that can be a hot take for some, but I think he is no doubt better than Sorkin. The dude is just he's more creative for sure. I yeah, I definitely agree. The fact that so what makes the bar scene so significant is Michael Fassbender orders three drinks. He 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 uses the 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 three with his fingers the wrong the wrong way. There's there's a different way in German to do the the number three. And so that's what yeah. gives his position away. The fact that Tarantino thought of that and was able to put it into his script is genius. That's that's something so that that's something that not like about like 95% of Americans would not think of because they just they don't know but apparently they showed this in a in a German theater and it all the Germans in the theater apparently it was given away right away and they all knew that he had given his position away now many Americans didn't know that and Tarantino had to explain it in the next scene um, but I think that's such a genius move to put that in it's so creative and it's just it's something that you wouldn't see from an average average you know writer or director so that's what i commend him for yeah yeah and that i mean that that bar scene is so good uh you know i think michael fassbender you know this he's one of my favorite actors i think he's one of the best um actors uh working right now the only problem is he's not in very good movies but like yeah, this movie th this movie uh proves like when you give him like a good script like he can, he will deliver for you every time. And Fassbender was another guy actually, who he wanted to play Waltz, but uh, Taron or not Waltz, sorry, uh, uh, Hans Landa, uh, but uh, Tarantino felt he was too young, which I agree that. But it, it definitely that that intrigues me. He probably could have done it. I could have seen him do probably maybe even a better job than. DiCaprio mainly because he can speak uh I think most of those languages um, yeah, yeah and 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 if people some people might not think well he could not give as good of a performance as DiCaprio I urge them to go watch 12 Years a Slave where he was giving DiCaprio the Leonardo DiCaprio type uh he, he was up on that level with Leonardo DiCaprio with what he was able to do I mean he is the devil in that movie and he was able yeah. to to deliver and some people think that he should have probably got an oscar for it now i understand why jared leto got it um but i also do believe that he deserved an oscar as well he he can definitely deliver those performances but i i can definitely understand why tarantino said hey you're too young we we need to get someone a little bit older yeah yeah because yeah when, when you look at waltz he has uh, Landa has all those uh, all those medals, and uh, 
you know, uh, one of my buddies, uh, your buddy too, uh, obviously, Nolan, but uh, Thomas, uh, mm-hmm. he was saying, shout out to Thomas Janicek, by the way. Um, <laughs> he uh, he he uh, mentioned that one of uh, his medals was from World War One, um, and I I thought that was a really cool detail. Wow, that um, is really cool. Of course, Tom is the one to yeah, notice yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Again, Lando was definitely probably the uh, one of the toughest guys to to cast, um, and Waltz was certainly the best pick. But you know, guys like DiCaprio, Fassbender that that is intriguing to me. Like, who would have, who could have done it? Like would it have been good you know i don't know but i don't know if anyone would have done better than uh christoph waltz i think that was perfect casting i i definitely agree i i even think that um brad pitt as aldo rain was perfect casting too because he he's able to play that role kind of as the the badass yeah over the top really well yeah Yeah, yep definitely very over the top uh, southern accent, uh, you know. Uh, cousin business is a booming, uh, you know. Just, just he. It's so effortless for him, I think, because he does it again in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just to be so cool and so witty at the same time. Uh, I think it's just so effortless for him. And an- another scene that people don't talk about enough, honestly, is. Uh, the scene where they're they're about to go into the theater and uh, uh, Hans Landa is introduced to uh, really the bastards that we know. Oh, so uh, funny. Um, so funny. Al, Al, yeah, Aldo, uh, uh, Donnie Donowitz, and uh, Private Omar. Uh, they're the they're the ones with uh, Bridget von Hammersmark, and uh, uh, I. I I think that scene is so brilliant. Gorlami. Uh, yeah, Gorlami. Uh, you know, and like as if Hans Landa wasn't intimidating enough, he 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 all of a sudden just like is like, oh yeah, I can also speak Italian too. Like it's like <laughs> my God, and like like <laughs> I don't know why, but I just think it's hilarious and like so evil of him to just start laughing his ass off when when uh Bridget von Hammersmark uh says her excuse was like going mountain climbing and he he just like completely loses it and yeah. I, I I don't know I just I I love that um and uh I mean probably my one of my favorite endings of all time is uh is in this movie Yes, yes, we got to talk about that ending because it is, it is really, really good. I really love it. Um, when so essentially at the end, what uh, um, Hans Landa does is he is the one who surprisingly helps um, the bastards kill Hitler, and in order to do this, he wants full immunity from 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 America and he wants uh, a town on Nantucket Island. So Brad Pitt and BJ Novak have to transport him to over to the Americans 
However, halfway when they get there, Brad Pitt kills uh, Hans Landa's guard, and it's, it's just so so yeah, Herman. And scalp he tells, Herman. Scalp scalp Herman. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's really well done. And um, at the end, when he's talking to Hans Landa about what he's going to do with his Nazi uniform, he tells him, he goes, I imagine you're probably going to take that off, huh? And Hans doesn't say anything. He goes, that's exactly what I thought. He goes, but yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that you can't take off. He starts well, carving. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, like, that, that is another, like, genius thing about Tarantino. Like, we had seen him earlier uh, put uh, the Nazi swastika on a German soldier uh, when, they're, when he's talking about running into him. Uh, and so I, that was a lot of foreshadowing. And when he says... He says the exact same thing. I imagine you're going to take off that handsome-looking SS uniform of yours, aren't you? Like, yeah. like Waltz, Hans Landa knows. Like, he's like, oh shit! Like, this is like he knows what's about to go on because he, he knows he's screwed. Yeah, because he 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 says to Aldo that he you know interviewed you know every uh, of these all the swastika mark survivors. Uh, so he knows what's about to happen, and it's just another, uh, just another instance of Tarantino's genius uh, in writing this movie. Uh, I think Definitely. this is truly his his masterpiece. I think this might be my masterpiece. Yeah, he so, definitely wrote that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. So, if if this is many what people consider his masterpiece, we are going to, well, Sam, what did you actually give the film first before we go into our next part? Oh, I gave it a hundred out of a hundred. This is okay. my number four film of all time. So, okay. Same with me. I give it a 100 out of 100. I think it's like my 15th favorite film. Let me check on letterbox. It is my 21st favorite film of all time. I've got a couple ahead of there and a lot of uh, uh, three or two more of them are Tarantino films, Django and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we will, let's, let's go through our uh, rankings of our favorite uh, Tarantino films. I know Sam, which ones have you not seen yet? Um, So I haven't seen uh, the Kill Bills and Jackie Brown. Okay. Okay, so those are the only two two that we will that um we'll just have you say you did not finish. So so we'll go so I count I, I've made it ten full films and I've counted Kill Bill as one full film. Um and I've added true romance because he he was a big part of that film and wrote it. So I'm gonna go ahead and give my ten through six right off the bat, and then we'll go from five to one for the rest of our Tarantino films. So mm-hmm. um, I'll give my 10 through six, you give your eight through six and we will go ahead. So from number 10, I have death proof. I uh, just wasn't a big fan of it. Nine, I have true romance. Not a big fan of this one. Eight, Jackie Brown. I absolutely love very underrated film. The hateful eight absolutely loved another underrated film uh, and six or er, Oh, shoot. Seven is The Hate Plate. Six, I have Reservoir Dogs. That is insane that that is his directorial debut. And um, so, yeah, I have 
10 Death Proof, 9 True Romance, 8 Jackie Brown, 7 Hateful Eight, 6 Reservoir Dogs. What about you, Sam, for 8 through 6? So I have uh, Death Proof, um, True Romance, Reservoir Dogs, and Hateful Eight. Okay. Okay. So coming in. Uh, Hateful number- Eight was my number five. My bad. Oh, Hateful Eight was your fifth one? Yeah, I accidentally said four instead of three. My bad. Oh, you're good. So coming in for the fifth best film for me is Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. Um, this, what I give, why I commend Tarantino for this is this is such a huge step in a different direction for him. Um, up at that point, he had not done anything like, like this before. Before this, it was all crime films. Mm-hmm. All he was making was crime films, Jackie Brown, um, Pulp Fiction, and Reservoir Dogs. So it was interesting to see you know, his take on, on a film that was, you know, kind of out there, um, all about samurais and stuff. He hadn't done this up until this point. So it was very interesting to see how he was going to take this. And I think he did a great job doing it. And then what about number five for you, Sam? So my number five was the hateful eight. Um, okay. Because, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think this is his most underrated film. Um, definitely the one that I think gets the most hate. Uh, it's a little unorthodox. Uh, it has that kind of like Pulp Fiction type of, uh, you know, plot where it's kind of all over the place, but that doesn't really bother me. And uh, just really, uh, again, really great, like, you know, for, for a movie that's like so isolated, they're in one place, basically the entire movie. Like uh, Tarantino does a really good job of like creating tension and uh, setting up scenes that are very, uh, very entertaining uh, for me. And uh, one of the best scores of, in my opinion of all time in Ennio Morcone. Uh, Definitely. Rest, rest in peace, uh, yeah. Maestro. Yeah, that's that, that was very... Very sad. What I really like about that film is the overture at the beginning. It's yes. so, so damn good. Yeah, it's it's very like creepy and like you you know like stuff's about to go down. Yeah, that's that's why I dig it so much. But anyways, uh, coming at number four for me, I have Pulp Fiction. Um, I this is the first of four masterpieces that I think Tarantino has crafted. I think Pulp Fiction is perfect movie. Yes, every single film student loves this film and talks about it nonstop. Um, it does get a, a little bit of of uh, jokes thrown at it. Um, I think it's damn good. I think it is so good, and it really put Tarantino on the map as the director to watch out for, and um, it, it got him an Academy nomination. So I absolutely adore this film. So for four for me, it's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, same same for me. Uh, four was Pulp Fiction for me. Just uh, it that's like the classic movie of the '90s, um, and really one one of the uh, in terms of like favorite like characters for like people's stereotypical favorite film characters. Uh, Jules is definitely one of them. Um, yeah, just again 
great display of uh, Tarantino's writing ability. Um, and uh, again, just a really, really good movie. I wouldn't quite put it as a masterpiece for me. There's still like, uh, like a few problems I have with it, but uh, still a, a very, very, very good movie in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I I, I understand um, people having problems with it, um, but but for me, I mean I just I, I absolutely love it, um, and I don't. I actually a lot of people will say that that Sam Jackson's performance in that movie is his best from uh, a Tarantino movie. I actually think that it's Jackie Brown. He gives his best performance in that movie. He is he is so scary in that movie he's petrifying in that movie because he he plays just a scary just a scary gangster and he sells it i mean he sells it really well in that film so um for me i would say jackie brown is sam l's best performance um but that being said coming in at number three for me is the film we just talked about inglorious bastards um I don't think there's much for me to say on this film. We already went in depth about it. Masterpiece. Loved it. Uh, what about you, Sam, for number three? So my number three was, uh, this is going to hurt you a little bit. It's uh, Django Unchained. <laughs> um, uh, I really don't have many problems with the movie, um, except for I do think it's about 10 minute, 10 to 15 minutes too long. Um, but otherwise, like this movie is, pretty awesome uh just a really really good revenge story um and uh probably i wouldn't say it's his best performance but it's one of my favorite uh jamie fox roles for sure um and i think leo got snubbed uh for Django for sure oh big time big time he got snubbed um all right coming in for number two for me now this this can go this can go either way on any day for me. Right now I have this here, um, and it could easily be number one as well. So right now I'm going to put number two. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, this is my favorite theater experience I, I've ever had, and I think you know this, Sam. I I talk about it all the time. Um, I had such a great time going to see this in theaters. It was so much fun to see. No one talked. No one texted. Everyone was quiet throughout the movie. It was perfect. It lived up to my expectations. I couldn't ask for anything better. And I I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Probably one of the more strong, like, character uh, written, like, one of the best, like, written characters that, Tarantino has had um and Rick Dalton and uh Cliff Booth um and I mean that ending it's very uh it's it's kind of similar to Inglorious Bastards very bold um but honestly this is probably my uh for me the funniest Tarantino film uh for sure oh um, yeah uh and I agree this is one of my favorite uh theater experiences as well um so yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my number two as well. Um, and uh, I, 
it's definitely interesting because this movie was originally supposed to be a book. Um, but uh, I'm very glad that uh, he made this into a movie um, because this was one of the better experiences um, in the theater last year and definitely one of uh, his most strong movies. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, uh, although I think Parasite was very deserving of winning Best Picture because I, I also think that's a masterpiece as well. Um, I really wish that this would have won uh, Best Picture because I, uh, th- there is nothing wrong with this movie. There's nothing wrong with it. And I, I just had so much fun. I had so much fun with it. So that, that's for both of us coming in at number two. So our, our number ones are obviously going to be different. Um, if you can't tell by now, uh, my number one is Django Unchained. I actually just watched this last night. Still holds up well. I, I actually do think that it is the right amount of time. Um, I, I like what Tarantino does at the end by making sure that or by making it how uh, Django has to go with the LaQuint, uh, what was it? I can't remember the mining company's name. LaQuint Dickey, I think it was, mining company. Um, mm-hmm. I like how he, he's able to talk them out of making him a slave. And he basically goes back and finishes what he started uh, rescuing his wife. So for, for me, I think, I think it works. Um, I think the action in this movie is is unreal it it's what got me this this film is is solely what got me into filmmaking i i i remember remember getting goosebumps when watching this movie and thought you i i thought you can actually do this you can actually put this in the script you can make something this cool and and it's what got me into loving movies and i i will always love django for that and it's it's my number one tarantino movie it was my number one movie for a long time until I saw uh, The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, but we'll, that's a different review for another time. Um, but th- this this is definitely up there as one of my favorite movies. It, it, it might have moved down a few spots compared to some other films that I've seen, like Apocalypse Now and No Country for Old Men, but it's, it's, it's a masterpiece, I think. I, I absolutely love it. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio gives a great performance. Although people will say that uh, Christoph Waltz was giving uh, the same performance as he did in *Inglorious Bastards*, um, I don't necessarily agree. While he is smug, I think he—he's not. He well, plays that so he, well. Yeah, he—he's smug and charming in this film, but it—it it, it works because he's able to sell you as him being a good man, where he was able to sell you in *Inglorious Bastards* as him being. A complete jackass so you know i think he i think he plays it really well and i don't have a problem with it and i i do think he deserved the academy award but i i think leo deserved it a little bit more i i i, I think that I, I think he was worthy of the academy award but i think leo should have gotten the nomination and probably the win because god he's so unreal in this film when he broke or when he broke that glass and it, his hand is bleeding he still continues the scene. I wonder what was going while I was watching it last night. I was wondering what was going through the set's head heads when they were um, when this was going on. I, I norm, a lot of actors would have just said cut. Let's get some, let's get some bandages on this. He kept going, and I I really commend him for that. I just think this is an all around great movie. Jamie Foxx's best performance. 
one of Leo's best performances, one of Christoph Waltz's best performances. Jonah Hill shows up in this movie. And oh, it's so that's damn such funny. a great scene. Yeah. It would be nice to see. It's just, it's so well-rounded. It's, it's my favorite Tarantino film. And then Sam, number one for you. I can already guess it, but I'm going to let you say it. You know, it's Inglorious Bastards, and uh, I mean, we we already pretty much explained uh, why. Uh, just everything about it, the characters, the story, uh, the ending, the the music, uh, just everything about it is it, it just works for me. Yeah, perfect, perfect film. I, I I cannot argue with that there. So, all right. Well, I think that will will do it for for us today. I think we got uh, some good good talks in about movies we got a good tarantino uh list going and i'm i'm actually what off. yeah what what a picture i'm i'm probably gonna watch that today i'm i'm gonna try and watch the hateful eight and once upon a time in hollywood so that's about six hours i'm gonna be spending watching those films but um, yeah, yeah I, I think it was we we had a good uh definitely a good a good a good first podcast episode yeah yeah definitely yeah, I, I think, uh, oh, what everyone should do is uh, if you go to our uh, Twitter page, our, our pinned tweet is our letterbox um, uh, hyperlink. So it'll take you to our letterbox pages. Um, I'm always posting reviews. Sam is always posting reviews. I posted probably my longest one last night about Django. And uh, yeah, you can just catch us there. Definitely follow us. We'd love to follow you back. I always love to see what other people are watching for films. So. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to say, Sam? Uh, no, not really. Uh, yeah, check out our Twitter uh, page. We'll be uh, posting uh, some movie news uh, and some movie opinions and reviews. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, we aren't sure what film we will review next. We will get together and decide that. Um, I'm thinking we should review something that is that is like kind of split down the road so we can get a good like like something that is definitely like the last jedi would be a good one to talk about or um, oh boy <laughs> even like even like mother like just just like a a film that that is kind of we we might be on two separate sides of it so that that would be something that i, I would love to talk about um but we'll definitely get together and we'll talk about it and, and figure it out so um if you've got nothing else sam then i think we uh we're done for the day no, um, nothing else. All right, we'll see you guys next time.